0: It's that time again for us to talk about Thrones. I'm Anthony, and I am here with Sir Richard. Yo. And Lady Jenny.
1: Excuse me, I believe it's Jenny of Tarth. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was missing for a show, but I didn't know you'd forget me that fast. Uh, well,
0: um, uh, uh, it's, it's Richard's fault. I'm, I'm sure of it. I don't know how. But it's his fault. (laughs) We are here to talk about two episodes A Man Without Honor and The Prince of Winterfell, season two, episodes seven and eight. Did I get that right, Richard? Because I screwed it up in the pre show.
2: You did indeed. Seven and eight. Odd and even. Always odd and even. Uh-huh, These are pairs. Uh, it, and this continues to be a thing, right? These episodes <laughs> continue to be paired together so
0: well. This is like, a, like I was telling you before the show, before we started recording that, five, six, seven, and eight, me and the twins or the twins and I, Oh man, how are that supposed to work out?
2: Oh, see, now I have you really self-conscious about this. Uh, I'm doing my job right. By the way, it is the twins and I,
0: we, we should not talk outside the recording podcast because it just screws (laughs) up my mental scope. Um, these four episodes we watched all in one big block. So I'm finally going to be caught up to where I can watch a new show because the twins have been dying to finish this season. Like nobody's business. um, we are going to start off talking about Winterfell because Winterfell is a lovely place that is seeing some major action. First of all, Theon, Theon's kind of lost it. He's not the Theon that, that you thought it, he was, I'm sure, Richard.
2: No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No, he's exactly the Theon that <laughs> I thought he was. He's a little pussy. And he can't, he doesn't really have any power. He just wants to be important and he's a sniveling ass. So yeah, he's exactly where I expected him to be by now.
0: Yeah. Not like way in over his head. He wakes up. Osha is gone. uh, And so are Bran, Rickon, and Hodor. Hodor. Yeah. (laughs) I like how he immediately blames everyone else for this. This is going to become a theme for at least another season of Theon, of blaming everybody else but himself.
2: Yeah. had nothing to do with him, you know, getting it on. Right,
0: completely completely losing his senses.
2: Oh, I think he had his senses, just in the wrong
0: place. (laughs) (laughs) It's always easiest to think with the wrong head. This is where they go on a, basically, uh, uh, they break out the hounds and they go looking for the boys, and... Wrapped up very nicely in, in 207 is this, this minor story about Theon's hunt for Bran and Rickon. And yep. it, it ends with the revealing of two small carcasses hanging off the walls of Winterfell and Theon saying, this is what happens to people who betray me and the belief that the boys are dead.
2: Too charred. Yes corpses that we are, yes, left to believe that they are the Stark boys and we're left to believe that because why exactly? Because here's the thing. I didn't believe it. I'm like, no, that's not really them. I know they kill people all the time, but that's not really them.
0: Hmm. Uh, You have a lot more foresight than the twins did. They were screaming. (laughs) When they saw that, really? right. M- Madison's quote wow. that I wrote down was, I want Theon to burn. Ooh. Well, I want him to burn anyway. How, how prescient. Um.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are not supposed to spoil me. So no. if that was a spoil, I don't want to be hearing it. You are surprisingly quiet on this one, Ms. Jenny.
1: Me? I don't acknowledge the existence of Theon Greyjoy
2: anymore. <laughs> good for you. Good for you.
1: Just he's such a douche rocket. He's not grand <laughs> evil. He's not good. He's not chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. He's just a dum dum, mm. and he's like a cruel dum dum. And uh, I just like there. It's I, I'm going to be the queen of like. Well, this stuff I didn't like in the recap. Or the rewatch, but I just don't like a lot of stuff in the rewatch. <laughs> like, I I love the scenes I love, and the scenes I don't like are so awful to rewatch.
2: Okay, so let me pose this. Let me pose this. I am seeing a lot of parallels between Theon and Joffrey. I yes. think they both come to the table with very similar insecurities. They both believe that they have a right to the areas they claim that they rule, and they're both sniveling bitches.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They should form a band.
0: Uh, Yeah, that'd be a great 80s cover band, I think, the sniveling bitches.
2: Oh, and by the way, later in the second episode, Yara comes basically... To yank Theon home, yep, and calls him a lovely phrase with a c word. And in these two episodes, I don't think I've heard the c re- the c word on television as many times as I have in these two episodes.
1: Yeah, that was the one word they knew back then.
0: <laughs> the Ironborn are are not ones to mince their words. That's all. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Clearly, um, okay. So outside of Winterfell, and it's screwed up, screwed up tenor with uh, with Theon at the helm. Briefly, we also have some trials and tribulations of Arya, and this is one of my favorite conversations ever, and it's yeah. it's so good. Arya and Tywin. Hmm. Um, they 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 go at it. They're little a uh, little mental jousting going on while they're having this conversation, kind of getting to know each other. It's 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 almost a a game within a game, if you will. And at the very end of it, Tywin he he wins the the little verbal competition by complimenting Arya, and they both kind of separate and go their ways after that conversation, both knowing that the other one knows that they know what they know. Yep, I I think I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep i loved this i have in my notes tywin and Arya play a dangerous game of wits mm. this was a beautiful scene it was so well written it was so well acted and what's interesting is i think and maybe i'm just a little too too naive but i think that the viewer isn't quite sure what each of them really
0: does know yet, mm. right? And more importantly, this is like I think the only time in the entire show Tywin smiles. <laughs> like at the mm-hmm. end of that conversation, he has this big cheesy grin on his face as Arya is walking away. And yeah, it's just it's just one moment of humanity in Tywin where he's not he's not at war and he's not. You know, the the king's hand and he's 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 just he's just a, a lord playing a game with a little lady without acknowledging it it's just it's it's a beautiful piece.
1: Yeah. And it's just like it just shows you how far Arya's come, like, even in just the short amount of time that she's been on her own.
0: Mm. And as far as I remember, this is really close to how it was in the book as well. It had the same mm-hmm. suspense, a lot of the same dialogue and you left with that same that same feeling.
1: Yeah, and and just like talk about like such poise for a young actress up against, you know, one hell of an actor. It's just like it's so stunning.
0: Yeah, and this being this being uh, Maisie Williams' first job, like yeah. her first big acting job and she's just handling the role of Arya so well. And then we're off. This was this this little scene right here, th- this set of scenes really had me going for a bit because I didn't remember exactly how it played out. So uh, Sansa is having a dream of being attacked. She's having this, this nightmare of being attacked. She wakes up in a pool of her own blood. She has begun her ladyhood. She has flowered, Jenny.
1: Yeah. When that happened, my camp counselor slapped me in the face and said, now you know a woman's pain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is a true story. That's that's not unlike what happens to Sansa. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, I was so shocked because I was like, I'm about as Jewish as a blue lit Christmas tree. But it was very nice of her, anyway. That's a Jewish tradition, anyway.
0: Um. So yeah, it uh, it, she she tries to hide it. Um, and that doesn't go very far because one of the handmaids sees and, and reports back. And then Sansa has this beautiful little little chit-chat with uh, Cersei about womanhood.
1: Yeah. It's one of the best conversations, I think, between two women on the show that has nothing. Well, I mean, it does have to do with men, but it really is framed through them.
0: Right. Uh, th- my first candidate for quote of the, sh- of the episode, the more people you love, the weaker you are.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, I honestly uh, think
2: this is probably the best conversation I've seen yet
0: with Cersei.
2: Yeah.
0: Well I, I just Lena Headley is, is just an amazing actress and she pulls off this role yep. so ridiculously well. Yep. Absolutely. There this isn't the only thing that happens towards the end of this episode, Cersei and Tyrion have a nice little chit chat as well.
1: Oh, yeah, where they just casually discuss the consequences of incest.
0: Yeah, like like, incest is just a known thing. Okay, cool. And, oh, by the way, Joffrey is a monster. All right, that's acceptable. And, yeah, so what are we going to do about this war?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and here's the first quote that I wrote down Mm. in this episode, and that's Tyrion – Saying, it's hard to
0: put a leash on a dog once you've put a crown on its head. I actually wrote that down as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. This is even a moment of, of softness for Cersei. Like, she becomes very vulnerable for a very brief moment. And this is, I think, the only right. time she's ever really vulnerable around Tyrion.
1: Yeah. One of the few times.
0: Yeah, this is... Um, and again, this is one of those episodes where the dialogue really just takes charge of the scene and the actors just fill the roles perfectly.
1: Yeah, it's just a very... Th- in a weird way, it's a very thoughtful episode. Like, things happen, but it's... More, like, sometimes in Game of Thrones, like, things really happen, and sometimes people talk about things. That That's the, the whole episode. They talk about things, and it's really good. <laughs>
0: yeah and and the remarkable thing is none of these none of these conversations are filler they're all pushing the the plot forward some right like all the all the filler conversations that happen in the books are kind of being trimmed out at this point because you've already got a lot of the character development and the the minimal you know minimum based knowledge that you need to move the story along so these conversations that they're showing they put a lot of effort into it because it is just moving the story forward and you're getting more and more of the story out of it as opposed to just filling space because oh, it's only 42 minutes long. We need another eight minutes.
1: Wait, have we gone this long and haven't talked about John Snow's frozen booner?
0: Uh Yeah, no, that is <laughs>
2: that exactly happen? right. <laughs> that is exactly right. We have not talked about Joe and er, er, snow. And what is, Ygritte. is it right? EGREET? 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 Yeah who curiously has like a Scottish accent. I'm not quite sure why that would be, but it, it, that is such an interesting kind of uh, series of back and forth between them where she's basically just taunting him Mm -hmm. and trying to kind of egg him into a fight and picking on him. And he's, he continues to kind of be the gentleman and he continues to just try and ignore it, even though she's, she is getting the best of him.
0: Well, the thing is she's playing the perfect carrot because she's egging him along just in the direction she wants him to go and distracting him enough to where he's not really paying attention to his surroundings. And he's got that, that lowered situational awareness to lure him directly into the trap. She knows exactly where she wants to go, where her people are, and she pulls him directly to that spot, keeping him off balance the entire time with this one subject that she knows he just is not equipped mentally to handle.
2: Yep. And so what you just said has meaning both figuratively and literally almost every little piece of what you just said. (laughs) When... They're at the place where they're basically caught. Her people are now surrounding them. Mm -hmm. Jump episodes. She protects him. Mm. She she protects him, killing him on the spot. And she says, "Okay, now we're even. But I have to assume that there's a bigger motivation there. And I'm wondering what that is.
0: You are not wrong. There is a bigger motivation, but that won't be revealed until, I think, a while from now, as far as what Igrit's major motivation be- behind her actions is. Interesting.
2: And also, can I just say, sidebar, awesome snow camouflage.
0: <laughs> well you were like, asking seriously. last time you were asking last time like how how are are the you know they they these people are, are so good or whatever and how are they not being able to be seen and it's because the ridges and landscape and and it all just blends in and i can tell you from firsthand experience last, last summer being on an on a glacier it blends in you it's hard to tell where the valleys are beyond the horizon like it, it just melds into itself and it's just it's really easy to, to find a, a dip that you can't see from, from the wrong angle. Yep. yep. Um, that's, uh, yeah. That, and then that whole scene, again, the, the dialogue, it's really crisp. It's really clean. It's very directive. I, I wouldn't say it's, it's, award worthy, but it's very centered on what you need to know. And it takes you right where you're supposed to be. And wow, she, he falls right into that trap.
2: So, Jenny, you started us down this storyline, so let's follow this storyline through both episodes. Yes. They're in a situation where now he's caught. He is reunited with someone else from Night's Watch, right? Right. And the two of them are basically being dragged along, and they don't know what their fate is going to be at this point.
0: Right. Right. Um, He meets back up with with Corinne Halfhand. And the Cor- ah. apparently, Corn is the only re- only survivor of the rest of his group. So John peeled off, and Corn peeled off. You know, was going with everybody else, and now John and Corn are re- reunited.
2: Right. Cut to Samwell and company,
0: <laughs> <laughs> who just yeah.
2: happened to have shovels, and they're digging for something. First of all, why are they digging? Did they know that they were going to find this thing? How did they know where to dig? Because everything is covered in snow. I have so many questions with this scene, guys.
0: This is one of those things where if you were really paying attention to the previous episode and the previous episodes, um, they, they were at this place called the Fist of the First Men. And it's basically a plateau on, on the side of a valley. I remember they, that. Okay, they were up there. That spot gives you a, a better view of the valley, and this might be one of those things that they explain better in the book than they do in the show. But that spot gives you a better view of the valley, so it it lets you be unseen because of the ridge of the plateau while being able to see for miles in most directions, except for the mountain behind you. The reason they were digging is because you can't build a fire on snow. You have to dig down to the to at least... the the hard pack, at at least to the the tundra level, to put your fire otherwise as the fire is burning, the snow melts and just puts the fire out.
2: Alright, I don't buy that. They were digging three completely separate holes. Jenny, what's your answer? My answer is because plot. (laughs) Because plot. Seriously, they were not all digging the same space out. They were digging three separate holes out and one of them ended up just happening to find this. weren't they digging? Kind of weren't they digging latrines? Storm.
0: I think so. I think They're in that drinking, particular instance they were. Oh, and they just okay. happened to
2: find the most valuable
1: thing in the whole world.
2: That <laughs> makes more sense, and that is where I'm lost. Like they just, they just happened in one of the places amongst thousands and thousands of snow covered miles. They just happened to dig in the perfect spot to find. Dragon ice, maybe the Lord of Light wanted them to. Well, and or dragon glass,
0: and, and, you're, and you're not looking at, at thousands of miles. You're actually looking at about a quarter acre on the top of this plateau, and they happen to have it. So it, it's it's a, a smaller chance. There's a bigger, bigger chance of finding it in there versus the entire north of the Wall region. But yeah, and they they do find it. The, this dragon glass, and um, so my the twins actually had an idea about the dragon glass. They said. Dragon glass is the only thing that can kill dragons. Oh. Yeah. That's according to the twins. That's what dragon, dragon glass is for. It's for killing right. dragons. That's why they call it dragon glass. Interesting. Okay. The
2: theory I assumed, and I don't know any, the wiser, but I assumed dragon glass was glass formed of other substances by being breathed on by a dragon. Also a good theory.
0: Also, uh, a very good theory.
1: That's very scientific.
0: Yeah, we we it, well, this this is a me. this is a thing that will be answered within within this season. I think I'm pretty sure. Maybe early next season, but it'll be answered. We only got soon. two
2: episodes left.
0: True, but you know how much they like to pack into last two episodes of a season on this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty huge. Um, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the Kingslayer and. Um, the huge monstrosity of a woman, uh, Brienne of Tarth.
1: I believe you said towering goddess, <laughs> but my earpiece <laughs> went out.
0: Um, Jamie had had some very very cursed words for her. Uh, the, the entire conversation that they had. Where did you find that woman, <laughs> uh, Jamie? Uh, well, the the scout, the Lannister scout, comes back from reporting. Um, to Cersei, comes back and reports to Rob about uh, they will not have peace and this and that, and they go to put him in a cell. The only cell available is with the Kingslayer, with Jaime. Uh, Jamie talks to him, uh, beats him up, and causes him to to be you know uh, deathly ill. The guard comes in to check on the, the scout, this this cousin of theirs, and Jamie basically chokes him out and escapes. He is then caught not too long later. I uh, believe that that night, but of course the days are all... The time skewing is crazy in the show. Um, and then, well, a decision has to be made on what to do with the Kingslayer now that he has many people wanting him dead. Richard, how well, how well long did you follow this?
2: So I... I had to resort to some IMDb help because I didn't quite understand who everybody was. And IMDb is like one of the least spoiling sources that I found from episode to episode. So one of the things that I notice is that this scout is named Alton Lannister. Mm-hmm. That's confusing to me. Yeah, there are a
1: lot of Lannisters.
0: Yeah. He's, he's a Lannister cousin, I believe.
1: He is a very model of a modern modern Major Lannister. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Nicely done. <laughs> and and I also thought it was interesting that this is really the first time that Jamie's had anything to do for, well, I don't know, like all season. Right. right? I mean, he's kind of just been holed up and uh, more of a prop than anything else. So I found it interesting that he actually took some action – Kind of expected for him, like not out of character at all, that up turning on someone to uh, free himself, basically, and then somehow convinces Catelyn
0: to let him go. Uh, yeah, um, this is this is where. Sometimes you have characters that are thinking logically and Catalan is usually thinking fairly logically, but when it comes to her daughters, she can't, she she's, I have to preserve my family, I have to preserve my children. And in her mind, the only way to preserve her children was to not let anybody kill Jamie Lannister. So she puts them in a safe spot. She believes with Brienne and sends them off.
2: And remind me again, Who's the old bearded guy who desperately wants
0: to kill Jamie? Uh, That'd be Karstark. And he is one of the houses of Winterfell. One of the lower, well, actually, one of the upper houses.
1: Otherwise known as uh, houses of the north, otherwise known as guys who sit around tables and endlessly bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know they fight, but like, mostly what the great houses of the north do is sit around someone else's house for months. Mm-hmm. and complain
0: yeah yeah exactly and well this this is actually going to push the plot in a very specific direction uh and i can't say anything more than that but it's interesting to see that the that even though she's with the kingslayer now is still trying to be this model of a knight and the fun times they will have together on this journey holding hands skipping through the woods wherever they end up you don't you don't look convinced richard
2: that was a really weird scene when they just started kind of Mm. captor and captive but not really i mean she's more or less escorting him more than anything else Mm -hmm. I just thought that was a really bizarre scene, and I just didn't even understand the point. So hopefully there's some payoff and understanding of that going forward.
0: This is one of those parts of the book that didn't translate over too well to the show. I think the, the relationship that, that develops between them two, the, the built-in animosity with, the, with this mutual respect, isn't necessarily shown all that well in the show as much as it was in the book because mm. they, okay. re- they really build it in the book. There's quite a few right. chapters. Um, okay, so the last thing that we need to talk about, at least, at least as far as the first of these two episodes goes, is Karth. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: eh, Karth-Smarth. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me guess. This is one of the things you just don't enjoy in the rewatch.
1: Yeah. There is a decent amount of Season 2 that is in certain plot lines, filling time. And mm. then every once in a while, excellent scene. But like, this is all part of Daenerys's necessary journey to leadership.
0: Right. Right.
1: But I feel like she goes to a lot of people's houses. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, don't go to all these houses. Mm. Nothing good is going <laughs> to happen in these houses. And then she doesn't listen to the people who, uh, have Tell her, her, her not to go to the houses,
0: right? right. <laughs> yeah, she's right. She's basically in leadership school for the first five seasons of this show. Like she's just yeah. constantly being taught lesson after lesson after lesson, and Karth is no difference from that. Yeah, she, yeah I... she loses her people. She's lost her 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 will to uh to lead effectively it's more like she's she kind of hits desperation mode and she bases a lot of her own self self-worth in her dragons which i mean they do develop together but she's not her dragons and her dragons are not her at least yet and this episode she's these episodes she doesn't have her dragons and she finds out who took her dragons and it's this big revolt in Karth with all the leaders leaders and everything else. And the the, the the political play that happens in that scene where the eleven of the thirteen are assassinated all basically at the mm-hmm. same time. It's it's an interesting watch, but it, it doesn't lead anywhere else in the story besides this one special lesson for Danny that we will get to in the next two episodes.
2: Yeah, we definitely didn't get to it here because Mm -hmm. I just left thinking, okay, she's kind of lost it. You know, she she was a little bit desperate trying to find some place that would be safe for her people, Mm -hmm. whatever that means nowadays. Found a place. Now she's lost her babies, if you will. And she's just she's just lost her way I feel like she's just flailing doing anything just not thinking and in fact basically rebuffing Jorah Hmm. who she knows has only her best in like the best intentions in mind for her her best I mean
1: the best intentions plus
2: (laughs) yeah well Right, and and she suggests that. Well, th- she, this is remember, she knows
0: that. Remember, last episode is when Zora Zon, uh wait, Zoro Zohan Zaxos. Damn, I, I'm going to mer- mess that up anyway. Um, is the one that puts that seed in her mind that, that uh, Jorah has more in mind for her than just being her right. confidant. Right,
1: um, it's easier if you pronounce his name. Plot
0: hole, plot hole, plot hole. Uh. (laughs) Ah. So here's something about him that I noticed this rewatch that I hadn't noticed before. And that's how many times he references that amulet, that that key that he wears around his neck to his magical vault. I really didn't... The first time I watched the series, I didn't notice that until, like, the next set of episodes. Whereas this time, I'm noticing it from, like, day one. When he first comes on the scene... Every episode, he makes reference to it in some way, shape, or form.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I agree, but I didn't even get what that was all about. Like, I'm like, huh, what? And then there's creepy, dead-looking magician guy. Mm. Piat Pri? Am I saying that right?
0: Piat Pri? You yeah. call him Platt yeah. <laughs> Plateau,
2: two. <laughs> pre
0: uh, in any event, he
2: you know he's claiming that oh, just come to my house. They're at my house. No right. problem. Right. Don't oh. go to that house. I'm just saying oh. don't go to that house.
1: I only have one question. Have we gotten to the part in either of these episodes where they say, you're in the house of the undying? No, I can't remember.
0: No, that is actually the next episode that we will watch is when that actually. Well, Richard,
1: forget I said it.
0: Yeah. okay, this is okay. So we are leading into and Richard, I'm going to tell you this because I want you to pay attention to uh, uh, continuity of story. The next couple episodes, Daenerys's story makes zero sense. Zero, because it made the slightest sliver of sense in the books, and it didn't translate very well to the show, and it makes okay. no damn sense at all. The next two episodes so, with 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 uh, Daenerys are just—they're not even—they're not even, even time filler. They're—they're like negative time filler. You wish you had that time back after the next two episodes.
2: So you're telling me, don't get hung up on them.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, There's a, there's a, uh, I'll have to remember, Jenny, next time we record, remind me to, uh, to, to talk about the prophecy because it's so stupid. Um, okay. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) it's,
1: there's a prophecy, Richard. And it's stupid. It
0: <laughs> and it's made worse by the show. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert! Yeah, belated spoiler alert. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think we're at like eight now or something. Is there anything that we missed? Anything? Anything major in this these two episodes that we need to go back and touch on? Well, yeah. Well,
2: hold on. So we're, we've gone through everything that happened in seven, but in eight, there's. Yeah, I, I know you don't want to talk about him because he bores you, but there's Rob, right? So. Stuff's going on with Rob Rob's I actually that, forgot about that, <laughs> right, yeah, I know see, you don't like stories with Rob. I like Rob, he's trying to be the good guy, you know he's trying he he is um you know in a position where he finds out that his mother let the enemy go and basically has to put his mother under house arrest and essentially. You know, labels her a a traitor, which is kind of harsh, but true. Mm. (laughs) And then there are a couple of scenes following that where he's talking with the doctor, and I can never remember what her name is. And he kind of, you know, just finds out more about how she got into medicine, and she's asking him about like who he's supposed to be marrying and why, and they get to know each other. And it basically all
0: culminates with them getting it on. Mm. Uh, That'd be Talisa. Talisa, okay. Which I believe is a a name changed from the books. I don't think that's the name they used in the books.
1: Yeah, and also, she's just as boring as Rob. (laughs) (laughs) They fit
0: very nicely together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're meant for each other because they're both... Boring.
0: It's not like you two a, are so harsh. Tyrion and uh, and, and and his lady—they both have a different personality to kind of bring something to the story. Rob and Talisa are just—and plus, Talisa isn't that a little close to her? His aunt Lysa. I, I just maybe maybe he should have noticed that before he started deciding to get with old girl. Wait, what? Okay, anyway, so
2: <laughs> he. Okay, so he's boring, whatever. She's boring, whatever. I actually find her not boring. She challenges him a little bit. She, uh, she interrupts him. She tells him. She asks him questions about status quo, and uh, she, you know, is helping heal everybody, even the enemy. She's everything he's missing
0: that, from adulthood. We get it.
2: Okay, so why is that bad? I mean, I, I'm not convinced that's a bad character. Y'all are just too harsh on Rob. Plus, you know, I mean, you know, you got he's trying he's trying to do the right. Okay, maybe he's just like his father and he pays for that. I don't know, but in any event, I think he's trying to do the right thing, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Plus, he's not hard to look at. So uh, now, uh, let's also look at that other couple that you just talked about, Tyrion. And his woman. I don't know her name either. I apologize. (laughs) I I thought it was better to call her his woman than than what Cersei called her, which is his whore. Awesome scene. Awesome scene between Tyrion and Cersei. Again, many great scenes between them, but another great scene between them where she's kind of like, you know, trying to soften up a little bit and, you know, being a little bit jabby and makes a little comment that they both laugh at. And then we find out, or she claims that, Oh no, 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 don't worry. I, I have one up on you. I have your whore. Mm. Yeah. And he tries to play it cool. And in fact, Plays it so cool he doesn't because give it away. she produces said horror, and it's not the most recent horror, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's 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 not the the it's, person that he's actually with now. It's Ross. but he
0: plays it off as if it is right, and and it's yeah. It, well, that's because Tyrion is smart, and he's not going to be uh, sucked in by all of his sisters. uh, uh, Please in uh, in wits. Um, this is one of those things where this conversation is where they start talking about leaving, uh, letting Marcella go to Dorne, and Cersei tells uh, Tyrion, um, "I'll kill you for that, and I suspect I'll have to before this is over." That line. Cersei at the uh, just after just just maybe days or or maybe weeks or whatever it's well it's got to be days because the the time frame it sets her as trying to be really really strong right after she had this vulnerable vulnerable moment in the previous episode with Tyrion right and it's kind of right. her almost backlashing along with oh I've got your horror like she really feels like she's on the higher ground on this and she's just not and this is like the first time Tyrion has a clear win when he thought he was losing
2: yeah because he returns to his rooms and in fact she's not she's not in harm's way she's the feisty person that she's always been and not afraid of anything
0: right right exactly
2: yeah I thought that was really really interesting and I also thought you know he he came back at her heart And I think that's the thing that sold the, you know, basically him pretending that, oh, yes, you're right. You have her. And I am I am, you know, just torn apart now. And he says, I will hurt you for this. Someday when you think everything is wonderful, you will know pain like you've never seen before. Again, wonderful, wonderful dialogue mm. from him, as so often is the case.
0: And unfortunately, come to find out, that plays true in a situation that's not even Tyrion's fault. So, um, but we'll get to that in a while. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> a few more things. Arya's escape. She she finally uh, breaks free of Hall by... Um, With help yeah. from...
1: One cold-hearted bugger,
0: J- Jikan Hakar. God, it's the another name I just cannot say.
2: Actually, I think you did a very good job with that, and
0: she kind it, of plays him.
2: You it, know, he has yeah. done nothing but kind of do her bidding over the last couple of however many days or weeks or nights this has been, and she plays him and says, "You'll you'll kill anyone? Yes, anyone? All right, Jakan Hakar. H- mm. what, what? No."
0: Uh, what do you uh, mean, you uh, want me
2: to kill myself?
0: Yeah, again, breaking out those wits and, and just using that, that natural intellect that she has of knowing the situation and how to how to figure out what the best solution for her is.
2: So he says take it back and she takes she unnames him on the condition mm. that
0: he helps them escape. Yep. And he does, and the debt is paid. Yeah, again,
2: just a a great scene, a great story, a kind of like a short story arc that plays out over just a couple of episodes. But but so cool. I Mm. I really liked that. And interesting that you just you didn't see how it was going to go. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm your genie and you get three wishes. And (laughs) and it just seemed kind of like so obvious up front and it just didn't go the way that I would expect it to. And I loved
0: the way they played that out. Right. Uh, and his name is not Plothole. I can honestly say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. It might good be, to know. It might be MacGuffin, but it's not Plothole. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, that guy's legit. <laughs> um, and, 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 so.
0: and everything along that, along along his character's roots and traces and everything else is just beautiful. And once we get to and another couple of seasons, we need to relook at the history of, of Car. Okay,
2: good. Cause like, I just really don't understand where he came from. So I, I am looking for more story. <laughs> I'm, I'm eager to get more story at some point.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, Davos and, Stano- and Stannis, um, Stannis and Davos have a nice conversation about how, what, how they're going to proceed. Davos, uh, convinces Stannis to keep the red woman behind during the attack. And Stannis tells Davos that he will name him hand of the king, which is kind of ironic being that he doesn't have the last knuckles on his hand.
2: And, I'm sorry. Uh, what?
0: Yeah, exactly. That, uh, <laughs> that presses forward. And, and I think the interesting part of this is just that uh, Davos finally has a win on Stannis. He finally convinces him of something because it's been it a while. That Davos is just them.
2: lose, lose, lose. The scenes between them, they just lose me
0: every that's, time. It's because Stannis is so boring. They just totally
2: lose. Like, like you can't even care about what's going on with Rob. I don't care about what's <laughs> going on with them. I just don't care.
1: <laughs> I think that's fair. I love Davos Seaworthy. He's like um, the normal guy in all of this. And I really enjoy, I love his voice. He reminds me of the guy who plays Theoden In The Lord of the Rings, they're different Mm -hmm. actors, but they have that same, like, I'm just the guy that has to save the world, you know, even (laughs) though they'd rather just sit in the hall and drink. Mm -hmm. And Davos Seaworthy gets better and better and better and better. And Stannis gets more and more and more exactly what you think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing about Davos is he's never wrong. Not a single time is he ever in the show ever wrong. Not a single time, ever. He's 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 just the voice
1: of the common people reason.
0: Yeah, he just goes with the simple solution, and every time he wants to go a certain direction, it ends up that you probably should have just gone that way. Like, why didn't you just do the easy route like Goldboy said? You would end up in the same place with a lot less heartache. (laughs) Um, All right, I'll pay attention to that the
1: if davos seaworthy a chance how about that all
0: right (laughs) yeah um braun and Tyrion strategize this is a nice little scene between those two about uh tyrion has got all these ideas from these books and braun has the street knowledge he's got the actual he's been in the fights before and have the, the this little conversation they have about um how to defend the city and what to do with it 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 just builds their, their relationship up a little bit and kind of shows their, their dichotomy. And I enjoyed it. It's brief. It doesn't take a lot of time. And it actually comes into fruition in, in a little bit later. But it's it's nice to see them still talking because it's been a while since Bronze actually had any kind of interesting storyline. It's been a couple episodes.
1: Guys, I'm so excited for Richard to watch the next episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and um, I think... I think this should be about it. Uh, the boys yeah. are alive. The boys, the boys are alive. The boys are alive. Surprise! They, the they boys are, are alive. I saw that. Yeah, they're hiding in the crypts um, beneath Winterfell. So. The unfortunate thing
2: is that it's probably their friends from the farm that we haven't even talked about, but that along these last two episodes they kind of encountered and decided strategically to avoid so that they could – keep them from harm and it turns out that in fact nope didn't matter Dion went and basically did his bidding on that family anyway and it's probably their kids that
0: are charred and hanging well I mean if it, if it makes you feel any better they were orphans to begin with so um, oh well there you go <laughs> small victories man small victories <laughs> All right. Um, so, Jenny, you've already uh. said that you're excited for Richard to watch these next this next two episodes, 9 and 10. Uh, I would have to agree. They are not where Richard thinks they're going to go. Um, and they're mm. very interesting. And there's a lot of budget put into them. And I'm actually looking forward to watching them again myself because I have not re-seen these since the first time I watched them. Yeah. Um,
1: I've been slogging it through season two, to be honest, yeah. to get to this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, this is, it's going to be fun. Uh, next week when, when Richard's like, Oh my God, Tyrion's amazing. Um, but Richard, uh, this you, is your, your, your <laughs> thoughts on, uh, on these last four episodes really now that they've kind of, they all kind of blended together a little bit.
2: Yeah. I, I, so I'm kind of bored with the stuff above the wall. I, I, that needs to, that needs to result in something. Hmm. So, I'm hoping it resulted in John
1: Snow's frozen boner. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not enough. Whatever.
2: <laughs> well, whatever He hopes anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I need that to result in something. Cause that's just, uh, I, I'm bored by it, frankly. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, um, you know, I, I think anything that Tyrion is up to, he's he's desperately trying to prepare the land for the imminent attack, and nobody seems to be taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. We get a a moment with Joffrey that we didn't even talk about, where he just cockily says, oh no, I am going to strike Stannis down, or whatever. Give him a smile of blood, or whatever it was he said, that was just so stupid, like you idiot! You've never fu- like you started crying when you got hit by a woman in like you know the beginning of the series.
0: A girl,
2: yeah, a girl, not a woman, a girl. So it, it's just like I, I, I want him to get his. I'm hoping that happens sooner than later, and I, I, I want to. I also want to see what what's happening with kind of like this weird split with Catalin and Rob. Catalin is making decisions from the heart. Rob's trying to make strategic decisions, and he doesn't always make the right ones. And I kind of want to see where that goes as well, because so far they've been each other's support mechanism. And without that in place, I'm curious to see what happens
0: and we will find out what happens things will happen yeah we will find out what happens next time <laughs> in the meantime if uh, if you finish this right here and we have uh st- struck an accord with you where we are absolutely wrong or you think rob is just the most amazing storyline ever let us know at let's talk about thrones at gmail.com and uh if they want to get a hold of you richard where can they go
2: Best way to get a hold of me and hear what I'm thinking is on Twitter and the various voices in my head all get channeled through at Richard
0: Gunther. And Jenny?
1: I'm nowhere. (laughs)
2: you are more places than either of us
1: exist on the internet i removed myself from it entirely (laughs) just instead of i'm plugging something i'm just gonna say go do something nice for somebody in your life this week
0: oh wow Um, i donated my plug Jeez, now now wow. Richard looks shameful, and I'm gonna go ahead and join him. You can find me at Ethan Kane, <laughs> E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. Uh, you can find all the stuff that I do over at ritualmisery.com. And that kind of wraps it up for this show. So uh, we will talk to you next time when we decide we'd like to talk about thrones. See you.
1: Rawr.
2: A